she leads, she thrives. The home of inspired conversations, practical and creative wisdom, expansive leadership and business insights, abundant braggadocious moments of celebration, and useful info you can actually do something with. You'll hear about mindset, marketing, money, magnetism, self-awareness and the Thrive Factor framework, its archetypes and more. Amplify your role as a leader, a self-led soul. Tap into your effortless success zone. Turn your ingeniousness and wisdom into profitable income streams. From solo shows to guests you definitely want more from, there's something for every ambitious, ingenious soul. I'm Shannon Dunn, a true OG of the business coaching space with an obsession with thriving. You are so welcome here. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, Ambitious Soul. This is Shannon Down, your host at She Leads, She Thrives podcast. Now we have, as we do every week, a phenomenal episode waiting for you. You'll get to tune into that very shortly. But before we begin with today's episode, I wanted to share an important message with you. The registrations are now open for the Thrive Factor Coach Self-Leadership Coaching Certification. This begins for 2023 at the end of April this year. We're welcoming just 10 incredible students from different parts of the world. So if you are already coaching, but perhaps don't have a qualification or don't have a real robust, reliable, proven framework that to support you and your clients, or if you're looking to become a coach, then please reach out to myself and my team. You can do that via email, hello at thrifeatdeco.com, or you can follow the link that's going to be in the show notes so that you can find out more information about the coaching certification. It is, from all the research that my team and I have done, the only self-leadership coaching certification in the world. The Thrive Factor Framework, as you may have heard me share in different episodes, is a female-centric framework. So if you're working with women and you're finding that you just don't have a reliable, proven, incredible, personalizable framework to, to lean into and to really support your clients, this could be the answer you've been looking for. The coaching certification that we offer is incredibly unique. Not only will you be able to master the art of profiling using the Thrive Factor Frameworks, you will be able to access our coaching model where there are a lot of done-for-you exercises and templates and incredible things that are going to make everything about coaching your clients as effortless as possible. Plus, you're going to get access to personal and business mentoring, a lot of that which is done by myself and our mentor team. I am so excited to see who joins us this year. It's always a sm small group, a small cohort, so that you also get personalized time with me, time with the Thrive Factor coaches who are out, already out there licensed and using this framework. And you can really feel like this is going to be a personalized, intimate, incredible experience that you wouldn't get in a lot of other courses out there in the world. So reach out to us. This could be the ideal time to add Thrive Factor Coaching to your already existing business or to use this as an opportunity to leave a career that's no longer working for you and to have something that's reliable that you can use and support you moving forward. I can't wait to see who joins us. Enjoy today's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of She Leads, She Thrives. I'm Shannon Dunn. I am a long-term business leadership coach, so much more, and your host here at the podcast. 
I've got a new guest to share with you today. I'm very excited to share, introduce Susie Quafer to you. So Susie, I let me tell you a little bit about, about how I know her before I get into her bio. So we were just having a really quick chat about this before. Like we were connected through a contact of mine that I'd, I think had been following you, Susie, for a while. And I, it doesn't really matter how, but I had Susie invited to come and she joined me on a podcast that I hosted and we were just saying it was in April 2020, so nearly three years ago, which is like the, how the world and Susie have changed and evolved in that time, right? It's crazy. Um, and it's just been really great to connect and stay connected and to chat. And in more recent kind of, I guess, weeks and months, a lot of the content we're both kind of, I guess, resonating with is so similar. And you, I already had you on my guest list before that, but it was like, it was like yep, get you on the guest, like come and, and record this now. So um, you know, while we're kind of in the thick of let's talk about this stuff that needs to be talked about, particularly in our shared industry of coaching. So Susie is a mindset coach, a business mentor and breathwork facilitator, which is something new since I last had her on on, on something. So we're going to talk about that today. She quit her job in 2017 to travel the world full-time as a digital nomad. She said goodbye to the hustle culture and a true freedom junkie create, and as a true freedom junkie, she helps women create businesses that provide more than revenue, a feel-good way to make a difference whilst creating a good quality of life. I'm so happy to have you here and see what we end up talking about today. So welcome, Susie. Thank you very much for having me again. Yes. Shannon just said, oh, Susie has changed so much over the last three years. And we're like, well, I feel like the whole world has changed yeah, so much. It, over and the it last has, it has. But, you know, when I was sharing that with Susie, I had to do, you know, I've got a lot of incredible women in my kind of broader community. And I'm the kind of person who pays attention to what's going on for people because it's just part of my nature. You know, I, I don't think I would have ended up working in the space with psychology and, you know, human behavior if I wasn't an, a nerdy observer. <laughs> and I think, as I said to Susie, she's kind of high up on the list of people that I feel from my observation point has had some of the biggest evolution in the time particularly since I last talked to you so yes the world has gone all over the place I think it's a I feel like it's a good thing though but like I'm really intrigued to talk to you about it because you know evolution but I feel like and correct me if I'm wrong but I feel like there was times there where some of the sharing that you were doing and I was listening to kind of the, the lives that you were sharing reading your content there was a period of perhaps disillusionment, like a kind of bit lost about who I am and what I want to do moving forward. And you did lots of personal development work and exploration. So tell us kind of what has happened with this massive kind of change in you and your business in the last, probably more the last couple of years, isn't it? Where do you it want is, to start? I, I'd say, I don't even know where to start. So I've been coaching and building an online coaching business since 2016. I feel yeah. like Shannon and I are dinosaurs of the coaching industry sure, I, feel well, like well, I started there. in 2006 so I'm a real dinosaur, yeah, a real dinosaur. <laughs> but I feel like everyone who's here since more than five years is kind of OG I don't yes. know yeah no I agree <laughs> with you I agree yeah. <laughs> so I built my business to multiple six figures with lots of launching and programs and I had a lot oh, of things easy. at the same time going yeah. on because I'm a very energetic person usually so I have a I had a mastermind and coaching clients and a membership and all the things, all the things, all the things. And then um, during COVID, um, as I'm a digital nomad, I was yeah. stuck in Vietnam. Yes, because so I didn't have the classic... you in this way was you were in Vietnam and yes. you were like, don't know how long we're going to be here, but we're here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was longer than we expected. Oh, no, a long time. I, I was just, I was really optimistic. I was like, the world's going to be back to normal after two months. We're going to sit it out in Vietnam. Oh, uh, well, um, <laughs> so 
I noticed during lockdown for me it was not the easiest time. So in Vietnam, lockdown meant you don't leave your room. I was in yes. a hotel room with my husband for weeks and months at a time. And I noticed when my energy isn't super high, that my business, how I had set it up, doesn't work. With yes. the whole launching all the time, being super active, being visible on video on time, like all the time, having like six different offers all the time. And I was really drained by that. So I really wanted to take a step back and take a break and do a couple of non-achiever things <laughs> in my life. Um, because, that must you know, be a rarity for you. <laughs> it was challenging for me. I was like, okay, I took a two months break. I was like, I'm going to stop everything. I paused all my coaching contracts. I ended all my courses and memberships and all the things. And then I learned how to solve a Rubik's cube and things like that. <laughs> Even that only got me busy for two days. So that's the overachiever <laughs> thing. Oh, that, I know that the overachiever. Like, I'm with you, sister. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> it was really about learning for me about how to read my nervous system. That's a term that I know today. I didn't know term yes. two or three years ago what I was actually doing there and stepping back and learning to do less and learning to run my business in a way that it requires less less launching less programs I really simplified the heck out of my business so I have more time for mental health self-care my relationship all the other things that are part of life apart yes. from business I think it can be so easy when we first start our businesses and we love what we do so much and then we also layer in that energetic personality that our businesses can be all-consuming they can literally take over our lives um, and different to when we're an employee where you, you know, you go to work from what, eight to four or nine to five and you kind of come home and you probably switch off depending on the level of, of job you're in. In our businesses, we don't ever switch off because there's always something fun to look at, to learn, to interact with, yeah, ideas coming through. Okay, let me launch this, let me do this. So yeah, that learning to lean back and allow self to, to take precedence is not something that a lot of entrepreneurs you know, souls do naturally. Oh, no, it's like it was a big learning curve for me to do. I, I think um, that's when I subscribed to Netflix. I did not have a Netflix account until then because I only did personal development stuff. I didn't want to waste time on Netflix. Uh, but I feel like when you come from this overachiever entrepreneurial mentality and you need to train yourself to yeah. sometimes maybe watch something that is completely pointless, <laughs> uh, then it's a good thing to do. That. You know what I had to do? I had a little rule a few years ago because like you, I don't travel there to the extent that you do, but I love travel and I'm so happy to get back to international travel this year and hosting retreats and things. But I made a rule some years ago that to take books away with me because I, I like to actually have, actually have a physical book that they were not about allowed to be about mindset business personal development they had to just be like you know what are they like a rom-com or a, something not silly or a historical kind of novel that just to take that break right. from the business stuff yeah because that's what we do right we say yeah. we have free time but then we read a business book or a mindset book or yes. we go this to a personal development six-day seminar or yeah <laughs> Oh, so much, so much. So what do you think? I mean, aside from the fact you, as you said, you were stuck in Vietnam and in a very limiting environment, you're a big personality and, you know, you're the kind of woman that's out there in the world. So I can only imagine what it was like being in a, like a room and not being able to go anywhere for, you know, days to weeks to months on end, not 
you know, so against your natural style of who you are. So you, I can see how that contributed. But is there anything else that you think contributed to you making the changes and the shifts and really prioritizing, as you said, your well-being, your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health, all of those things that you've really made a focus the last couple of years? Mm. I think COVID was a blessing for me to yeah, good. force myself for that because I don't know if I would have been at that point already I feel like I could have kept going yes. with high energy for a little long while but there will always be a point in life if you're in for the long run in business one day something might hit you yeah. you might lose something or someone you might get sick you might be stuck somewhere. You you might have a breakout. What breakup? Whatever it is, and I do think business needs to be sustainable. Mm. So it does not only work when you're high on life, 100% on your A game, everything is awesome, but then it drops when something happens or you're not 100%, not feeling 100%, going through something because life has ups and downs. And if Gosh. you're in business for 10 years or longer, it will happen. Of course it will. And you, you, being human, you, you can't maintain a certain level of, of presence and energy and visibility 100% of the time. It's just, it's not actually possible. And I, why would you want to? Like, there's another thing. You know, I don't know why you want exactly. to. Exactly. Why would you want to? Yeah. But yeah, I had it set up in a way that it, it was very high functioning, high achieving. It always had to, you know, it was always at the upper, upper end of, of mm -hmm. things. And I was like, okay, maybe that is also a trauma response or a pattern that I'm falling into for reasons that I want to look at closer. Like, yeah. why do I feel yeah. like I always have to develop myself? Why do I feel like I always have to grow my business, improve my business, launch something new, have 55 million mm -hmm. offers with 66,000 clients? Like, what is that in myself? Yeah. And, and how can I heal that and spend more time with myself on that? So I also come to business from a more healed place yeah yeah so what would you say with all of the the self-reflection and the, the the conscious intentional things that you've done the learning the reflection the healing what was the biggest discovery for you about that the patterning that you were in and how, you, you you recognize that it wasn't working for you but what was the biggest maybe discovery or understanding if you're happy to share about what was contributing to it like that way you were pre-covid <laughs> pre-COVID yes. <laughs> you know I was I think I did value financial success a lot I had like you know money goals per month and revenue goals per year and profit goals and profit like a lot of um you know like number goals and number intentions for my life and for my business yeah um and then then there comes the point when you realize okay you have all the numbers you are financially successful but how do you actually work on fulfillment and mm -hmm. and satisfaction and it's not about, you know, making more money, hitting all your money goals. And that's when, when slowly things started to shift for me. It was like, how can I, like, wh what is it that freedom, apart from financial freedom and being able to travel, looks like for me or feels like for me? And how can I add emotional freedom? And I found it difficult in the business coaching world to get mentored on that. I felt like a lot was about, leads and conversion and be the next level version of yourself mm -hmm. and double your revenue next year and triple it the next year and that's when I kind of went on this soul-searching journey of okay are there other modalities 
teachings, things that I want to use for myself, but then mm -hmm. also like natural when we are our business I started to bring them into my business yeah yeah which is I think such a a gift when we do that personal exploration where it's relevant where we can bring it into bring a, a richer experience in the way we coach and the way our clients get to experience you know whatever they experience but it's interesting to say that the focus on the the numbers metrics it's huge in the the, the business coaching space very much so and, you know, it's not that long ago that I remember having a six-figure year was a big deal. And now there's like six-figure month, seven-figure month, and there's like the tiniest little percentage of people that are ever going to get there. And not for lack of trying or intention or manifesting or whatever they're trying to do, the action they're taking. But that's not the reality. And I think that's doing a disservice to the majority of incredible, phenomenal coaches out there. And now we're going to get to talk about you know, some ethical business practice a little bit later on because we're both going yeah. to have a rant about that. But um, I think, you know, it's such an interesting thing. As you said, we can get so focused on metrics that are number related and stop and not not stop and go, but what, how, what is my life though? Do I feel fulfilled? Do I feel nourished? Am I healthy? Mind, body, spirit, soul, whatever ways we want to look at that. And what does that even look like to me to be he a healthy Susie or a healthy Shannon? What does that even look mm -hmm. like? Yeah, we get so lost. So one of the things I know that you've added is the breath work. So tell us about that, like how that came to be something that is, then it felt like also watching um, and listening to you sharing and reading what you were sharing, Susie, felt like for you, it was such a natural progression as you discovered breath work to include it in your coaching. So tell us a little bit about how you came to discover breath work and, you know, you're certified in it. And now you include it in your coaching. Yeah, so I, I, I've heard it a lot. I've been in programs where it was included okay. and I've always skipped it. Ah, <laughs> I've always skipped it. Bypass that. I had, <laughs> interesting, eh? I, like, I had huge resistance to lay down and literally breathe for 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, that feels really I'm, uncomfortable. I am literally and... seeing your brain go, but look, think about all the other things I could get done in 45 minutes. Is that what was happening? It's like... <laughs> I, it was, I mean, that's just a distraction. Yeah, I felt yeah. just really uncomfortable doing it. Mm -hmm. I started breathing for a minute. And the thing with breath work is it does feel uncomfortable for, yeah. I'm not going to lie. It's not, it's not fun for the first 15 minutes. <laughs> it's a little bit like starting, starting a workout where you kind of at the beginning, you're like, oh my God, I don't want to do it. It really doesn't feel great. But when you actually get into the flow of doing it for a proper session, the first time I did a proper session, I was like, holy moly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's just how I felt afterwards. And that was impossible to share. I tried it, but people told me about it and I didn't want to do it. You know, so telling people like, do this breathing thing and you will feel fantastic afterwards. You can tell them all you want, but I had to try it. And mm -hmm. I, for the first time afterwards, really felt completely blissed out. Wow. Like I've tried to accomplish with meditation so long. So many years I was like, I should meditate. It's good for my nervous system. I know it would be fantastic for my brain, but I never managed to really yeah, get into right. a meditation practice where I sit down for 20 minutes and really relax I'm, or really partly um, laughing, you know, because I understand I'm the same. I can do yeah. visualization well, where it's guided and my brain has something to follow, but other forms yeah. of visualization med meditation. Yeah, my brain just sits there going why are we doing this like for however long I've decided to try and be yeah. calm <laughs> so I, I really really struggled with meditation my whole life um breath work I struggled to start that's why I needed a 
coach or facilitator. So I don't work well with videos. I need someone who is actually there and yes. says, keep going. We're going to push through this. We're not going to mm-hmm. get up and go yes. to the fridge right now or distract ourselves from, from whatever's coming up. And it is, it's a somatic tool. And I have worked with coaching a lot with talking and with mindset journaling. I've done so much mindset work and I've realized over the time that a lot of people can get amazing results with cognitive mindset shifts, with talking things through, with shifting their perspective, with doing mindset journaling, but not all of my clients. It didn't work for everyone. I've always had clients that were like, I've done the journaling. I'm jealous that it works so well for you, but it doesn't work for me. Something is somehow stuck in my body or I don't know, I can't get rid of it. It's too ingrained Mm -hmm. to just overcome it with affirmations. And that is how breathwork came in for me because it includes a healing modality where you don't even need to talk it out. My clients don't Mm -hmm. even need to tell me what they went through, what emotions they're processing. Mm -hmm. The body does it for them in the breath work. So you don't even need to, you know, have the classic therapy approach of running through it in your in your mind. It's just not a mind tool. And for someone like me who loves to use the mind and the logical brain and planning and type A for everything, it was just absolutely fantastic. And it didn't take long that I was like, okay, I want to get certified at this. I need to include this in my business because I realized how limited it is if you just work with yeah. talking through business coaching or talking through mindset mm-hmm. coaching and having that as an additional tool is so powerful for clients who are just stuck because something is so deeply ingrained in them through trauma mm-hmm. or PTSD that they just can't get rid of with statements like you just have to be committed or you just have to take action or you just right. have to do the thing, mm-hmm. which can be really counter productive in the coaching space if someone is just not capable of just doing the thing yeah so much so you know so frequently I reflect in gratitude that prior to starting my coaching business I was also qualified as an art therapist I work counseling but that's very much talk therapy but art therapy is not it's not talk therapy you also don't have to be an artist to achieve it um positive results with it so that comes into my business coaching work always has done there's the creative therapeutic models Uh, and just recently I trained in something else again that is going into the body to connect with the blocked stuck frustrated whatever limiting beliefs and but from an emotional perspective so we can clear them so again I don't need to know what we're focusing on I'm just going to guide you through the process and your body again like breath work in a different way though tells us what's going on and EFT tapping and all those things are so useful um I I have had experience of breathwork. I think my first experience is over a decade ago with a friend of mine who trained in shamanic breathwork. So not just using the breathwork, that was even a next level kind of description that was people went, what is this weird thing she's doing? And she needed to do case studies. So I put my hand up and yeah, like unbelievable how different or how, what the experience was like, but at the other end going, what just happened? Like what, what, what was this strange phenomenal thing that we just did? So I get it completely. Yeah. And so, so for people who are a lot in their head, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Cause you, because of the way that the breath works, you can't stay in your head, right? You, you just yeah, not correct. possible, which is so like the, 
the prefrontal contact, con like the prefrontal part of your brain shuts off because yeah. of the oxygen fluctuation. It's like, oh my God, that's the part, that's the monkey mind. I wanted yes. to shut that off with meditation for yes. years. <laughs> and you're, yeah, it's, it's, it's really fascinating. Yeah, it's so good. I love and then it. usually, usually what I do in business or in my content is usually I share my journey. So when I explore something and I get certified in something, you usually know about it before it's finished or before sure it's ready. But I think that's such a good thing. And, and also you're, you've, you know, you really are a natural at bringing people into your community just by sharing who you are and what you're doing. Yeah, I think it didn't take me long to follow you, Susie, and I knew about so much about your life, but in a good way, and it all made sense. Like it felt like yeah, it was important to know, not just sharing for the sake of sharing. Like there was, you know, it made sense to who this woman was and, you know, why you would consider working with you, which brings me to my next question. So as I, um, just for everyone who's listening in, when the, the, I invite the guests to come and, you know, book a time to create these incredible conversations for She Leads, She Thrives, I ask them to share what their superpower is. And of course, everyone's sharing something different, which I love. But Susie said, you know, to me that it was coaching. And I get that, right? I get that from knowing you and from watching you. But tell us why, though, in a sea of coaches that seems to be expanding exponentially, why you're someone to work with? You know, why you? So I started coaching before I knew about the online coaching world, which I think yes. is a big blessing, yes. that I, how I stumbled into this world. I coached in corporate and I was really great at the coaching part mm. and I noticed that other people around me were not yeah. <laughs> but I didn't like the context I didn't want to coach people how to perform better in a job that they actually didn't enjoy doing yeah. so I took the skill and became a life coach at that time and then I built my life coaching business on social media and then more and more people asked about how did you do that and I was like well I also have some marketing skills actually so it turned more into business and coaching for business owners but I think a lot of the online coaching world that we see is about marketing skills and sales skills and building courses and building systems and building memberships and building masterminds. Whereas I always just mostly and mainly loved the coaching, like the coaching conversation with a person, because I'm really good at, you know, bringing the things out that they don't see, asking questions when they're, where you go like, oh yeah, I didn't think so, of that. That's actually so really helpful. Actual like classic coaching. coaching. Yeah, I was going to say, actual <laughs> yes. coaching, because all of those other things that, that teach you how to do stuff, that's not coaching, as we both know. And, you know, I right. talk about this a lot. I've done a lot of solo episodes. I'm going to keep doing more. Um, so much, that's education. You know, and with the advice giving that happens in our industry, that's not coaching either. That's not even a, you could loosely call it consulting. It's not though. Um, and, you know, this is from my viewpoint, and I think you probably agree or share this similar viewpoint, Susie, that this is what is causing a lot of the challenge and damage in the coaching industry because the coaching clients, the, you know, the consumers of the world who are reaching out and engaging and working with coaches, whether it's health coaching, mindset coaching, life coaching, money coaching, business coaching are not actually getting an experience of being coached. So they don't actually understand. There's a it's misunderstanding. It's so difficult. Yeah. You might work with three different people that call themselves coached and you yes. might have completely different experiences coached because different. it's not yeah. regulated because everybody can call themselves coached, but also because a lot of consultants mm. or educators, as you say, call themselves coached. Yes. So that's, it's tricky as a consumer as well to figure out 
because Very we love much. the content, we love what people share, we love how people teach, but that doesn't tell you yet how it actually is to be on a coaching conversation with this person. No, no not at all, not at all. Well, you know, we're here to change that. <laughs> You're as much as me committed yep. to let's educate, you know, the consumers of the world, our potential clients about what coaching really is and why it's valuable to consider things like qualifications and, and, you know, and so many more, but this is perfect segue, of course, as it always happens in these conversations into talking about something that I know is important to both of us. I mentioned this very briefly earlier is about ethical business practice and particularly things like marketing and those kind of things in the coaching industry. This is a space we both spend time in. We can both talk about this a lot and have a lot of, I know, personal stories and things that we can share. But I also think anyone that's listening in, if you're not in the coaching industry, this is still relevant for you because you're highly likely uh, a potential client for a coach. So keep that, you know, if you're in business, keep that in mind, you know, so that, you know, I think we both agree there's time for change and there is change happening. So ethical yeah. coaching, like, what does that mean to you even as a term? Like, you know, what, what do you think about when you, you, we talk about ethical coaching as a topic? First of all, I do think it's a big term and I also think I can't really define it for everyone yeah. like because I'm not, you know, the authority for no, no, ethical coaching. Like there's no, there's no organization mm. for this. But what it means for me is letting go of marketing and sales tactics that we've probably all learned if we're in the business yeah. space that are creating urgency where there is no urgency that tries to pull in clients that maybe shouldn't be there because they can't afford an investment, that is avoiding language that makes clients feel guilty if they don't invest or if they don't go all in or if they're just not doing enough or if they're not getting results, then it's only their fault. So there are a lot of nuances and situations that I become more and more aware of that I'm questioning where I'm like, is this actually like, should we say that? Or is it too mm -hmm. easy to just say everyone who doesn't invest into high ticket coaching is never going to be successful. And is that oh. ethical to say when you are a high ticket coach and you're basically selling your services and you're saying you need to sign up for this thing. Otherwise you're never going to be successful. Is that true? No. Is it ethical? No. <laughs> I know. I know. There's, there's so, you know, if we really had hours and hours and hours to record, well, I'm sure we could come up with so many examples. Those are definitely highlight <clears throat> ones for me. I, one of the things that also I've found a real uh, sort of grumpiness about in some regards is the, the coaches touting as, as um, a mentor. So again, even you, you, removing the word coach, but you know, calling what they do coaching, but they call themselves a mentor, um, but saying that they mentor multi six, multi seven, even I saw one again recently, multi eight figure businesses, and that their focus. And yet, when you understand their personal experience, a lot of them I've kind of looked into. They have this is the first business they've ever had. They're not qualified as coaches. They don't have business qualifications. And I'm like, well, how did you get to be a mentor for people, a multi-six, a multi-seven or whatever you want to call yourself mentor? When, what have so you got to think? You can up? just decide that. Right? <laughs> you can decide that. Yeah, you, you can, can and you can. But again, is it ethical? No. Is it, is it <laughs> Yes. Um, you know, so many. So that's another one. Another one that bugs me, proximity. You know, pay for proximity. Mm, big word right now. Pay a lot of money. Mm -hmm. 
hang out with me because look how successful I am. And you, it'll kind of, it's almost like suggesting in a nuanced way, it'll just rub off on you what I am and who I, who I am and what I've done. And you'll just end up like me too. No, <laughs> so much more than that. It's not but, enough. It's not, enough. not enough. No. And you, but you, you know, and there's the whole like energy of to pay for proximity is the undertone is you pay a lot for that proximity. You know, you get more access to me so you can kind of just, become me. No, I, well, firstly, I don't want to become like anyone else for a start. And I don't, I find that very misleading and unethical as well. And what was another one I saw literally in my inbox this morning was join this masterclass. It's $44 today. It's going to be $999 full price for a masterclass, right? <laughs> that and in the masterclass, I'm going to teach you how I'm going to go from a million dollar year to a multi-million dollar year. I'm going to teach you everything I'm going to do, who I'm going to hire, whatever. And it's like, yeah, but we, I'm not you and I don't want to do things your way. It removes, but again, people are falling into this, that that's, well, look how she's done it. If I just do what she did, I'll get there too. No, <laughs> no. How do you feel? How do you feel about a following? And that's a long time around that. That's in big seminars. Like, yeah big names Tony Robbins everyone does it in the in the yeah, big totally. seminar space where it's like sign up for this thing and you get this value $50,000 and then you get this value $20,000 right. and you get this total value $150,000 but yeah. only today and only for you no, no, and no. only if you sign up right now during the next five minutes it's and only if you're the first 25 people yeah it's the pressure <laughs> and the scarcity and I remember sitting in a room you know while I'm in Perth and we're quite isolated as a capital city, we have had some big speakers come here when there was more of that kind of a very much a, an energy, probably more in the early 2000s, to be honest, like, sorry, early 2000s, early 2010s kind of thing, where there were speakers from the US would actually come here. And I, I've seen Tony, I've seen John Asaraf, I've seen a lot of incredible speakers, um, um, Demartini, like all of those kind of people. And I used to watch them fascinated. Again, the behaviorist in me is like observing the sell from mm -hmm. stage pitch and watching people's behavior. And then I've been to those things in America as well, different tone in Australia. It'll be different tones of energy in different parts of the world because of the, the way that people respond to things. I definitely saw there was more hesitation from the kind of Australian-based audience because, of course, they weren't all for Australian. Um, you know, we're a bit more sceptical about being conned <laughs> and, you know, these, you know, and also paying money to people at, that we don't know, the foreigners. Like, it's so fun. You would have experienced that living here and seeing the difference, yeah. right? Coming from Germany and being Australian, all the travel you've done. But you used to have watched that whole the pressure of the, it's this, it's this, like you said, it's this, and you get this today. And if you sign up today, you get this extra bonus. And then you get, and it was like, and then watching this, the people that ran to the back of the room to get those secured spots and, and then the pressure selling after. Yeah, is literally is it yes. was like the energy of making you feel terrible and like you were not a good enough person of any description because you said no. You trusted your instincts, you trusted what your bank account said, and you said no to that once in a lifetime offer that would come around again at the next seminar. <laughs> so yeah. that's that's those are the things that I am really like rolling my eyes when someone yes. says this is valued twenty thousand dollars, but only today it's six nine seven always six nine seven or nine seven there's always a nine seven at the end so you don't notice that it's yes. almost 100 which also I feel like I psychology to really fall for this like yeah. I, have to. <laughs> I know I think the um, other thing related to that that I find a frustration is the trend to show earnings online for and this is a very much a business coach thing more than other coaching industries 
Uh, I don't see it in any other kind of other business industries either, just in the business coaching industry where here's look at all my PayPal links, look at all my Stripe payments, look at all, look at my bank account. I'm like, really? Is that your bank account? Um, look at all the times people have paid me today. Look at how many payments came in in this time frame. Um, with no transparency as to are they sales, are they actual payments? Uh what else is I think? Do I think about that? What What did it cost you to get that? Like, what's the profit margin? Is your business profitable? How many thousands of people did you pay unethically or not pay at all to help you to get that? Like, you know, all of those things frustrate me. And as we, we don't both, know the background, no, you and don't it's know also just such a number one. It's such a. It became such a tool to show that people should buy from you. Yeah, you, you know, I remember 2017. I had my first. $25,000 a month. And for me, that was a big deal. That was my, my yearly salary in Germany. It was like, okay, that's like, I made in one month what I made in a year. And I wanted to share it, but I was really scared because yeah. that was not a big thing yet. Five years ago to talk about money. My parents oh, were like seeing it on the internet and they were like, oh, do you really want to talk about money on the internet? I, I don't think that's a good idea. And I really had to overcome a lot of fears to do it. But that was like five years ago and it was like yes. a big thing and everybody was like, oh my God, that's amazing. And tell me how you did it. Like really how, not just the screenshot, you know, mm-hmm. that tells you nothing. But today it's very overused, very overused. It and it's overused. today utilized in a way that it's like, here, I make money. So you should buy something. I was like, yeah. no, that, that in itself makes no sense. Like <laughs> that in itself and- doesn't entice to buy from someone and that's I mean you and I have a different viewpoint a different lens that we're making those decisions about where we invest but to say newer people that are newer in business or newer into a space and just exploring working with people I I see them get swayed very quickly often yeah um that's certainly from my observation and I've had lots of conversations with women who are like I can't believe I signed up for that thing and it was terrible and well all the different you know dissatisfaction they've had but a lot of it too is the I thought paying that much, I was going to have X experience. So there's an expectation of what I'm paying or this person seems to have a lot of people working with them, so they must be a phenomenal coach. No, just because someone earns a lot of money, they're good at sales and marketing, it does not mean they're brilliant at coaching or their clients get sustainable results or that, you know, they might have 20 clients a month and they look at the stories they actually share. There'll be one or two people they might share about. Their success stories, yep. not all the others. Yeah, that's again another part yep. of this lack of ethics that frustrates me. <laughs> no end. So, how can we change that? What yeah. is a way? So, my thought is like, why is this even necessary? You know, that we always share another one that small one that bugs me is when people are like, yay, 78 people signed up for my free masterclass. Yeah. Yay, 79 people signed up for my free masterclass. And I think. That can be genuine if someone really celebrates that for themselves. It's like, oh, I'm so excited, man. I put this out there. And, but very often it's not. Very often it's like, hey, did you hear about my masterclass? Yeah, I should sign up on my masterclass as well because lots of people. Da, 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 da. Um, where did I want to go with this? Oh, yeah. How can you do it better? How can you actually provide mm-hmm. a service that is so good that people refer you or that you get a, you know, that people talk about you? How can we actually focus more on delivering? outstanding results and an outstanding experience for clients instead of just you know having as many people as possible to sign up so we can then share a screenshot that we had many people sign up like I'm more curious with what happens afterwards with those people like what Mm -hmm. what is the experience of actually working through a program or working with someone and would they do it again I see that they invested into something but my real question that I would love to to ask everyone is would you do it again 
that's what I'm really curious about. Not who who signed up with whom and who paid how much. I'm like, was it good? Like, would you do it again? And yeah. I have many experiences where I'm like, yes, I would absolutely do it again. It was amazing. And I also have a few where I was like, wow, that was a bit underwhelming, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, and I think if we are completely honest, we would all say that. And I hope that the positive, rewarding, outcome-driven, outcome-experienced experiences are greater in number than the others. But I am sensing that it's not that way for a lot of people. A lot of people are feel more burned by their experiences and dissatisfied and like coaching is a waste of time. And I don't know about you, but in the online space, but you're having lived somewhere more permanently than you have, um, you know, I've got to go to actual networking events. And, you know, sometimes when people are like, what do you do? And I'm hesitant to say I'm a business coach because of the number of times I have had people go, oh, and like change the subject or or say things like, oh, I've got a coach because I assume I'm going to pitch at them. No, I want to know about you. I want to meet you. I want to connect with you. I'm not here to pitch my services. You're getting me wrong. But again, that's the misguided experience that people have had of coaching and coaches. Yes, 100%. Yeah, so interesting. But yeah, you're right. The change is, I think, having conversations like this, being more considered yeah. about how we do things, questioning ourselves about our pricing models and our marketing and our language and our, you know, the way we actually work with our clients. I've always kept the number of people in my programs because I know I'm not the best person to try and hold space for, you know, beyond about 15 people because it's mm -hmm. just not me. And I have been criticized by coaches because of that. You're limiting yourself. You've got a mindset block. No, I just, I trust myself. I know myself. And this is what works and it gives a better quality of client experience. Yeah. So I guess sticking to our guns once we know what our values are is also a part of being ethical in what we're doing. hundred percent. I also don't like, like I would never tell a client you should do X, Y, Z. No. You know, Shannon, if you would come to me and you would say, I wish I could hold 25 people in my program, then that's something yes, you can actively work on. Yeah. But if that's not your desire even, why as a, like a coach should never be, telling you what you should be doing in my opinion anyway <laughs> and and for sure not in in you know this kind of language where where you're actually putting someone down instead of empowering them yeah yeah completely uh, I find this is a lot too that comes up where you see examples of this both in written and verbal language and sales language on sales pages if people are even doing them anymore like <laughs> You know, that's also a trend. Let's not do that. People will just trust me and they'll just use, they'll pay on the link. Um, yeah, but what? no wonder there's some dissatisfaction because the fine details and the terms and conditions are not being shared. They're not transparent. Um, but um, what was I going to say with that? I've kind of got myself distracted with a thousand, <laughs> I've got like pages thousand things in the, in the thing. But, you know, the the oh, the mindset kind of almost degrading attitude that comes from, you because you're saying no to this once in a lifetime best kind of price to ever never be this price again offer you've got a mindset block you've got a money mindset issue you need to do this or you you're what did I, I actually saw someone share a story not long ago where they're like someone a coach had told them that they needed to that it, they to demonstrate how committed they were they should even be knocking on their neighbors next door and asking for a loan of money like excuse me <laughs> Like, no, like they're, they're, and again, suggesting that someone's lacking commitment because they can actually say no 
not right now or no forever or this whole experience is putting me off. I don't ever want to work with you. Yeah. And, and it's like there's an, an element of coaches out there that kind of can't believe someone would ever say no to them. <laughs> That's it's quite fascinating how it's twisted it? then, you know, like as if there's something wrong with that. Like if you want to work with me, I appreciate that. But if you don't want to work with me, I don't think you're a less human or, you know, or, I don't know, or, or tell you that you're or not that I'm that superior you're not enough. Or, yeah, or, that, yeah, or that I'm superior and know better or know, you know, what, what your mindset is or what your financial situation or what your personal life is that may be contributing to you, hopefully, consciously and intentionally making a decision for yourself. Yeah, so much so. So there's a few other things that you kind of highlighted with stuff we could talk about with relation to ethical coaching, contracts. Yeah. Tell the story that you mm. shared recently about that contract. Because mm. yeah, I remember looking at it and going, I, I've seen examples like this, but that was a doozy, like seriously, Susie. <laughs> it was just like I'm I'm not super big on contracts because I'm in Australia and I think the legal thing with someone signing a contract from a different country is really difficult anyway to enforce. Yeah. Yes. But I think contracts are great to for expectation management again yes to be like okay this is what i'm going to provide this is what's required from you do we both agree on that that's what a contract is and this is how much and i honestly yeah exactly and is there no refund policy how does it work all Mm -hmm. those things i love it when it's written down i think that's how you do business with a person um i i usually just also just sign them usually there's nothing super tricky in contracts i've signed many contracts and they're usually standard coaching contracts that say come on time this is what you'll get (laughs) <laughs> like standard things but I got a contract um last year and and it really threw me off because I really wanted to sign and work with this person I said yes already I was like committed and I wanted to pay in full and I made the money already shifted it around I was like okay this is like a scary investment but I'm going to do it and then I got a contract that 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 really I read it and was like Ooh, that feels so yeah. bad to me like I don't know if it's just me not being committed but it said things like you have to always do what I tell you as a coach oh. immediately. And I'm like, ooh, the rebel in me was like, ooh, wow, ooh. I, don't, right. I, that's I a, don't like that at all. That's the rebel part. But like, just, a, just generally. I'm a, like, very, yeah, I'm a very coachable person, but I felt like as soon as someone needs to write it down, I felt like, ooh, that's interesting. And then it basically said that she can terminate the contract anytime and not give me my money back. And I was like, well, you can't write that in the contract. Like, I'm mm-hmm. anytime, like, out of shits and giggles. I mean, <laughs> that can't be, can it? And I kind of still assume the best of people and that someone wouldn't just, like, cancel a contract and keep my money. But in the end, a lawyer would say, you signed it. <laughs> it's not a legal contract, but why to hell on earth did you sign it? Yeah. And, you know, this is why it. You from sign your rights away. Yeah, like, you and I are not lawyers but we know enough to know that when you've signed something it implies that you've read all the ter- all the ins and outs of what you've signed a lot of people don't you need to read things <laughs> yeah so, that so a was- lot of people don't read it I feel like my German clients always read it they're like yes through the terms and conditions but I, I know a lot of others don't and I, I sometimes don't read it I just assume it's yeah business practices as normal as, as, as I'm used to I've purchased a lot of things I don't ask for refunds I do think if I bought something that's not my thing then yeah okay it's kind of on me um, but yeah sometimes things are very very hidden so even if you want to find out what the details are the contractual details it's hard to find or in this case I got this contract and 
I literally didn't want to sign this. I felt like the whole work relationship was off just by the fact that I got this type of contract. I was like, I, I this does not feel like we have the same expectation of what a coaching relationship is. If you have a contract that says you have to always say, as I tell you and do exactly as I say, so. well, what if she tells me something that I really don't want to do or that doesn't feel ethical to me? That's it. It, it, it allows no room for the client to make their own decisions, to have their own power, to be aware of themselves and to, you know, do what they feel is best for them in the moment. And that, you know, I love it when clients say no to me. Yeah. Cause I, I never tell them what to do firstly, but when you, we might be having a conversation, they've asked me for something and we've brainstormed together through a coaching conversation, an idea about something, and then they'll go, no. And I'll go, okay, great. Feel into that. Explain to me why. Yeah, because yeah. I'm curious. That's all I'm not that saying. That's what coaching is. That yeah. is the best thing about coaching. And of course, we can advise. I can share with you what I did in a similar situation or, yeah. you know, anything like that. But if I, I always say it in a way that's like, here's what I would do or here's what you could do and not here's what you have to do right now. Otherwise, you're going to screw this up. And then a client will know right away if it's like a confirmation of what they already felt mm. very often clients are like that's just what I actually needed to hear thank you so much for telling me that I need I will go out there and do it but sometimes it's also like nah this somehow doesn't sit well with me right and it brings the clarity for someone to be able to even with greater confidence know that it's a no which I think is such an incredible coaching yeah, yeah you know that someone told me that I shouldn't uh, call my program the abundant alpaca like someone oh. very famous told me that. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. Like, honestly, it doesn't surprise me. Um, the number of things that I've had people, I've had people, you know, tell me that the Thrifactor framework and the archetypes are a waste of time. Well, it's been the cornerstone of my business for 14 years. You know, it's, you know, it's, and then that it'll never get any traction because it's just wishy-washy. It's founded in psychology and a lot of research and and proven use over a long time. So, yeah, I, I just like, okay, thank you for your feedback. I really appreciate you sharing that with me. And then I just go quiet and do what I would do, work on trusting myself more. Yeah. But not every client has yeah, the capacity to do that and the understanding to do that. Um, anyway. So no, very it, often we don't have that. When someone no. tells us this is the right path, you're doing it wrong. I mean, kudos to you in this situation that you were like, no, no, I know what I'm doing here. I, 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 I've used this. This is working. You can tell me what you want. <laughs> Definitely. So this leads me to another part of this to talk about. Um, before I've got some questions that I ask all of the guests. So, you, you are, said let, let's talk about the whole notion of trauma informed, or what I kind of like to refer to the term trauma aware at like at a minimum in terms of its importance from anyone who is in the coaching helping kind of industries. Tell me about your experience with that and why this has become, again, more important for you to talk about it. Because, again, I noticed you're sharing it more in your content. And let's have a quick chat about that. It's a big buzzword right now, which I think is good because I feel like nobody was talking about trauma aware years ago. So I think those are great moments of progress where people are like, okay, what is trauma-informed? What does it mean? What do I do with this? For me personally, it meant that I had to educate myself. I did two trauma-informed certifications. Now, I don't think you need certifications, but I'm a, I am like to go deep when I want to learn something or, or deepen something. And I think it's very important to understand how trauma affects people because most people 
have had some form of trauma, big or small, in their life. That's right. And especially when they come into a coaching container, which is not a therapy container, it's important to understand what can happen, how that can show up. Now, that doesn't mean I, as a coach, treat trauma or start you know, taking on parts of work that should be done with a mental health professional. But I do think it's very important to understand why some people react in freeze mode or in runaway mode or in attack mm -hmm. mode when something triggers them and when something comes up that, that relates to their trauma. And I think that was not very, I think there was not a lot of education around that no, until very recently. It's not something that was included in any of the coaching, multiple coaching kind of pieces of training I've done as a qualified counsellor and arts therapist, it was only just touched on then as well. So that they are like that is too, mm -hmm. too intense mental health professional qualifications I have. And even then that really didn't go into trauma informed the way I understand it now. Yeah. And I I mm -hmm. don't I call I refer to myself as being more trauma aware more than trauma-informed. I probably mm -hmm. am trauma-informed based on my legit qualifications. Um, but again, it's like things like yeah, I'm, yeah. I've included in the Thrive Factor Coach Leadership Certification, you know, the coaches go through a whole lot of stuff around things like scope of practice, when to refer, how to refer, when when yeah, not yeah. to go into anything with a client, where, you know, to pause the coaching because of what needs to be supported to the client and that they're not the person for that. You know, unless they are also a mental health professional with the right expertise to support someone. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like you're right. It's a buzzword. I think it's definitely come out of COVID where the world was heightened, how much trauma was being experienced or being activated from past experiences because of what was happening. But it's kind of not really landed in the way it probably should. I'm glad, I'm glad of the awareness but the way it's potentially being used as a Western marketing tactic sometimes, not ethical. Apparently it's a big word. Apparently yeah. it's a big word. And my, my question, and I, that's a serious question I have, I'm very curious, is how does this apply in your business? Like how, and I, that's currently, I mean, the process of this whilst you're listening to this, I don't have all yeah. the answers to this right now, but I'm really looking into, okay, but where, where and how can I make sure that's in my contract, that's in my commitment, that's mm. in my delivery that's in my marketing like how can we make sure we're not you know triggering people's trauma and then they're so 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 activated that they would pay for anything just because they mm. want to get out of that state yeah. and then then that's used by some people to sign clients that that can't be that that no, can't no, be right no, no it's not okay not okay at all I mean things that I have had in my coaching contract for one-on-one -on -one and in my retreat contracts and all the kind of things like that masterminds since very early days. And I know this is informed because I've come from a counseling and a therapeutic background. So I have a different view of the way to language things and the way to hopefully create a sense of inclusivity and safety where possible for people being mindful that we Devon really know exactly how someone's going to feel safe because it's such an individual experience, but things like being very mindful. This is not therapy. This is not counseling. It's not to be used in place of that. If you have, if you are seeing a counselor, a therapist, a psychiatrist, and you wish to share that with me, I would be grateful to know that. Cause then if someone's already seeing someone, I can say, this is something you need to take to your next counseling session or your next yeah. therapy session, but leave it very much to that is up to you, whether you wish to share that with me. 
But if I have had something come up in a coaching session, I mean, again, like you as a business coach, the focus is business, but it's the person and the individual kind of identity of the individual in the business. So there is personal stuff that gets brought up. And I will often suggest, you know, I'll ask, I'll inquire. I start with the inquiry first. Like, have you, you know, when it's a thing that comes up over and over again and they talk about its impact, it's the emotion about it, the, the again, the trauma activation that's not the language your clients would use, but that's what's actually what I'm observing. And I sit there and I'll say, tell me more about this. And have you ever saw any support of any kind for what you're telling me? Because you're sharing how emotional you are. You're sharing how much this is impacting negatively your life. And so I get very, again, go into the coaching language of inquiry. And if someone says yes, I will find out if they're happy to share with me. When did you last seek support for that? Is it is it a time now to maybe go back and look at that again? Um, so those are the kinds of things of language, but yeah, in terms of contract, I make it very clear, this is not therapy. This is not counseling. This is not in place of anything else. Um, and if something comes up and another thing like my retreats, the health form that I have for my retreat participants is very detailed. Again, I come from a health background mm -hmm. and I have explained to the ladies that come on my retreats with me, why that's important to me. I am your next of kin when we are overseas and you don't have your next of kin with you. I have to act on your behalf to protect you, to support your well-being. If you collapse and we have to call an ambulance, I'm the person that needs to know the information. So I need to know, do you have allergies? What medication are you taking? What it's for? And reinforce that that is confidential information that only I know. And I had this happen in a retreat previously yeah. where somebody had newly diagnosed diabetic taking medication, the diet was all over the place and we were in the heat of Bali. She didn't cope very well and it was her friend that she was on retreat with who confided in me because she was concerned about her friend's well-being. That woman still to this day never, ever mentioned that. But it made me, thank goodness I was able to observe and pay attention more. You know, has she had water? Have we had enough breaks? Has she eaten? But, you know, those kind of things, again, it's like ethical and about trauma and about care for people's mental and emotional and physical well-being. And when you're away like that on a retreat environment, that's partly our responsibility, you know, in it some is. regards, it yeah. Especially, especially if someone has never, you know, I'm an experienced traveler. You have also been to yeah. Bali multiple times, but very often we bring clients that this is completely new. Like they're not, that's it. I have many clients coming from America. They They are just already very um challenged with the weather and the environment and then you do like a full day of coaching and it's just a lot and yeah it's, it's an important question how can you yeah protect create a safe space I think and also as you said know all the information that you need to know if something yeah. happens that's it and you can only you know get as much information as someone's willing to share with you but if you don't make the invitation for them to share the information and reinforce that it's it's confidential and it's kept securely then, you know, you, you, everyone's kind of potentially missing out. Um, I think another thing that has been really important for me from that ethical viewpoint and supporting people's personal experience is that when I do group things, whether it's online or in person, particularly at retreats, is talking about when people share emotion, because they tend to, even on a business retreat, people cry, <laughs> things come up, mm -hmm. they share emotion and they often are very surprised that they do. And can be very embarrassed because it's not something they ever imagined that they were going to burst into tears sharing a story about something or a piece of the homework we just done in a coaching ex exercise. 
And so I make it very clear from day one and reinforce it as we go, that when somebody has any expression of emotion, no matter what that is, positive, negative by their, by your, you know, someone's, you know, assumption, let them be in it. It's my job to work with them, not somebody else to get up and hug them, wipe away their tears and take away that experience from them. That's not okay. Yeah. And I see women, particularly the, you know, the, I know archetypally, which women are like more likely to be like that, the advocate rescuers. And I just look at them and I watch them and I'm like, sit on your hands, keep your mouth shut. Like, just let this person do what they are doing. If they need to leave the room, they go, no one follow them. I will make sure that they are safe, that they are okay. And they know that this is a space they can come to. It's my job um, to do that and to take on that responsibility and to support, be in that support space, not yours. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yes. <laughs> I don't, I know that doesn't happen because it hasn't happened in a lot of retreats and different group experiences I've been to. So, yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of people struggle seeing other people suffer. It's a similar experience in breath work. You yeah. sometimes have someone next to you that, you know, is crying or even screaming. It's like, okay, they are going through their own process right yeah, now. Like, there is a facilitator who's making sure that they are saving safe, that they are safe and that you don't need to worry about them and stay with yourself. It's sometimes difficult, I know, especially yeah. if you are, um, you know, the archetype that that's yeah. like when someone's crying, wants to shower yeah. them with love, but that might not be what they need in this moment. No, that's it. And I think it's such a valuable opportunity for people to learn to, tune in to what they actually do need and to learn to ask for that um, and also to learn to say no when someone tries to smother them that they don't have to receive someone's hug that was well-intentioned I'm sure but not what they want or need in that moment so mm-hmm. oh, so much so much we could talk about um, we are getting to kind of time to get to the wrap-up piece so I've got a series of questions I'm asking every one of the guests and really excited to hear your mm-hmm. answers to these so the first one Susie is what role does leadership play in your life and business tell us the Susie way of being a leader being a leader is starting with yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, learning how to lead yourself your own life how to coach yourself and then based on that experience, you can also be a leader for the people around you and for yeah. clients. Yeah. I so love that there has definitely been in my observation, a palpable shift to seeing leadership as starting with self rather than often we grow up yes. in experiences and we see leaders as people, it's all about the external and leading others. You know, The quality of that leadership, I think, is limited unless we actually are focusing on that personal self-leadership. So Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. So the next one, how do you know when you're thriving? How do you know when you're thriving? The thrive factor. I don't know. It's an energetic, sparkly feeling. I think I said this to you like that three years ago and we had you on the, the summit back then in 2020 that no doubt in my mind that from a thrive factor archetype perspective, because we haven't profiled you yet, maybe one day, but you would have the inspire believer archetype, which is the bright, energetic, you know, cheerleader, hundred percent. And the mentor teacher is another one that sticks out very strongly for you because it's again, that love for learning, sharing what you know, like it's that whole conduit we are, because they're two archetypes I have the same as well. And, you know, yeah. your German part of you highly likely has the mediated diplomat archetype. It's a very, you know, a strong archetype about things being fair, right, just and equal. It's very, very classic in terms of the archetype energy of Germany as a country. Yeah. 
So those three stick yeah, out. Yeah, you see, there's I'm more. Fully analyzed already. No, no, I'm, I'm not analyzed. Not analyzed. <laughs> there's definitely more there. This is kind of like which are the other one or two that you might have, but those three are very, very um, strong. And this is the, the you know, one of the things yeah. I love about the archetypes is that we play out true to type. We don't realize we are, but we do. And when we're in hard times Mm -hmm. of evolution, change, stress, we actually play out more to type. Like it's harder for our, you know, like subconscious, our conscious to actually take over and kind of put a different version of us out there. So that's, you know, Mm -hmm. when I, again, again, nerdy observer all the time. Um, And some people (laughs) are very much, here I am, you know, all out there in the world and others have archetypal, you know, combinations in their trifactor profile where they are more, uh, private, less visible. Not you, not me. <laughs> so it's a, it's a good thing. Everyone's different, but I love the unique combination of our archetypes we have. All right, beautiful woman. How can people connect with you the easiest? Where should people go and connect with you? Facebook, Instagram, good old yeah. social media. Yeah, you are <laughs> very good on social media. And we will, like we do with all of our guests, make sure that Susie's links are very easy to find. So they'll be in the show notes, which yeah. you can also get along with a transcript for this entire show, this entire episode. So if you can't find, as I say often to reach out to Team Thrive Factor at hello at thrivefactor.co.com and we will make sure that we connect you with our guests for sure. But go and follow them, interact with them. You'll get to hear about all Susie's obsession with alpacas. <laughs> it's a very, it's a bare yep. minimum, right? Amongst <laughs> other things else. And the travels, I know we're, you know, we're recording this in January, probably a little while yet before this goes live. And I know I've seen you sharing, you've got more travels coming up. You've got your wedding in Thailand coming up. It's, you know, so if you want to see into sort of a digital nomad life, Susie's someone to follow for sure. Yeah. All right. Um, one final piece of wisdom you'd like to share with the ambitious kind of souls that are tuning in today. What would you say to someone who's listened to the conversation we've we've had, your views on things, your wisdom as a business and mindset coach? What's kind of a last piece of something you'd like to leave with everybody? Find your own way. So if you see content that you feel like it's more of the repelling kind, yeah. You also already know a little bit more what you stand for and what your way would look like. Yeah, love it. Succinct, beautiful. <laughs> very, very cool. Thank you so much for joining me. I knew it was going to be fun. Um, but you know, it's a, yes. a, a surprise because I, I I do set an expectation for the the you know the conversations I have, but also as I, you know, I've said often. I make sure that there is some personal connection with the guests that I have on the show. That's so important to me because it brings a different level of conversation. So if you've listened to Susie and I today, thank you so much for listening in. We wouldn't, like I would still create the podcast if there was no one listening, but it's so much better knowing there are people around the world listening. I think, you know, where we are in January recording, we're being listened to in 18 different countries. We're part, we're kind of the 14,000 downloads in just over three months, which is huge for a new podcast from my research. Um, you know, it's just just so cool and I can't wait to see where else we go and what we achieve in 2023 with the conversations that we're having. So thank you, listeners. Be sure to come and follow me on, you know, Instagram particularly, Shannon underscore the Thrive Factor. Follow Susie. Um, come and chat with us. Tell us what you loved about the episode. Tell us what your takeaway was. If you're a coach, tell us what you're doing to do things more ethically, whether you feel like you're ethically practicing or not. What else can you do? I know that I'd love to hear it, Susie. I'm sure you would too. So very, very cool. Yes. Thank you, beautiful lady, for joining me. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Thank you for having me. Yeah, look forward to sharing another episode very soon.
Thanks for tuning into today's episode. You are so valued and appreciated. Aside from this podcast, my favorite place to hang out online is definitely Instagram. So come and join me, Shannon underscore the Thrive Factor. And no, my DMs are always open for genuine questions and connections. For all the latest Thrive Factor goodness, visit thrivefactorco.com forward slash links, where you'll find more about thriving in life and business. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show and share it with your friends. Let's amplify thriving the world over. 